Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a rock journalist describes her young son's memories from a past life aboard the Titanic. All of a sudden I hear a banging in his bedroom. Something's hitting the wall over and over and over again. And I jumped up, I ran down, I opened his door, and my son is up on all fours. He's staring at the floor and he's, he's shaking so violently that the bed is hitting the wall. To me, I thought he was going to go into convulsions. That's how hard he was shaking. And before I could even walk across the room, this man's voice came out of my son and screamed. It was the worst terror I have ever heard in my life. He screamed, she's going down. This podcast is supported by Paranormal Contractors, a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. If you have unwanted paranormal activity in your home or business, it's time to bring in the professionals. Call 1-866-724-0800. 1-866-724-0800. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. Rock journalist Susan Messino is here to talk about brushes with the paranormal, amazing synchronicities, and the past life remembrances of her young son. Susan has been a rock journalist for over 30 years and has written five books. She's appeared in projects with well-known rock bands Van Halen and ACDC. She's been interested in the paranormal since age five. Her fifth book, Secrets of the Universe, dives into her lifelong passion of the spiritual and paranormal side of life. Susan Messino, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? 
Great, Richard. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Now, you and I talked on my other podcast, The Late Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. This is your first time on uh, Conspiracy Unlimited, so we'll, we'll probably uh, touch on some, some themes that we've talked about before. But let me begin by asking you generally about rock and roll and the paranormal. There seems to be uh, a connection, an intricate connection between the two, whether you want to go back you know, all the way to you know, Robert Johnson and the, the deal with the devil at the crossroads or just all of the strange strangeness that I've documented on, on the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone, things that you've written about. What is it about rock and the paranormal? That's a big question, Richard. I think that the paranormal and rock and roll... Um just like in any other business, though, when you really dig into it, you're going to find, you know, uh, coincidences and, and things that intertwine. And a lot of artists, musical artists, are believed to be people that uh, touch on the dark side to get the power or the talent that they have. That's kind of the, the mystery about it. Well, there certainly is that legend and some of that you know, I think is, is part of a clever marketing strategy. I, for example, I, I don't think, I don't know him, but I, I don't think Ozzy Osbourne is a Satanist. I think he sort of plays that up because that's just, it's kind of rebellious. And it's, you know, teenagers like to uh, tick off their parents, let's face it. <laughs> but, but, exactly. <laughs> but above and beyond that, I mean, when you look at, and we'll get into synchronicities, uh, you and I, in a moment, but... Um, strange coincidences and, and uh, even um, hauntings associated with, with rock artists and so forth. What do you think that's all about? Is it because artists tend to be more attuned and more sensitive to these sorts of things? I think that's true. I think that any art, artist, whether they're a musician or an actor or a writer or a sculptor, you have to be able to tap into you know, what we can't see. And a lot of people get their inspiration from that. And some people like to delve into the dark side to do that, which I don't recommend, but that's where the, um, you know, the theories come up, like Led Zeppelin, you know, Jimmy Page was into Aleister Crowley and things like that. So um, it's, it's very interesting and, and how the, the luck of these bands are affected um, which is a very strange but fascinating thing about what happens to some of these bands as they get famous. Now, you're known primarily as a, as a biographer of ACDC, and you've had a, a long-standing uh, relationship with the band. Uh, tell me about Bon Scott, because uh, this is something that you and I have talked about before. We didn't go into too much detail, um, mm-hmm. but... There's a, a very famous story of, of after he died, Brian Johnson, who took over as lead vocalist, talked about feeling the presence of Bon Scott uh, in studio when they recorded Back in Black. Uh, but you two also have had encounters with the late Bon Scott. Talk to me about that. Yes, I have had um, many encounters with the late Bon Scott. He is what I'd like to say a guardian angel of mine, and uh, I have seen him in many dreams. He comes to me in a dream state 
um, which I haven't seen him for a long time, uh, which is, I think, a good thing. <laughs> but uh, he has always, um, you know, he's he's been a huge presence in the, the life of ACDC, even well after, you know, he's been gone now 39 years next month. And when I talk to the band, you know, when I see them on tour, they, especially Angus and Malcolm, before Malcolm was sick, God bless him, um, they always talked about Bon. He, he would be the first person that we would talk about because he was an amazing guy. But um, the fact that he died when he did and Brian Johnson stepped into his place, those two actually met before. Oh, when, when, when Brian was singing with the Geordies. Yes, exactly. They met before. And uh, actually, Bon, no, wait a minute. I got to get this straight here. Yes, Bon got the idea of putting Angus up on his shoulders after he saw Brian do it with his guitar player in Jordy. Ah, and and I guess had seen him had had seen Brian perform, uh, not realizing that one day he he would be his successor. Right, and 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 uh, the band does uh, state that um, Bon did say that if you ever need to replace me, I know this guy. And he was referring to Brian, but after Bon passed away, I believe a fan of the band's sent them a cassette tape of Jordy and said, you've got to check this guy out. Synchronicities, so, synchronicities. Uh, what, yes. what, 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 what is your, I, I know the answer to this, I'm pretty sure, but just talk to me about your, your overall feelings about synchronicities what are they how does it work well i think synchronicities in a way are is the the universe's way of showing us that we're on the right track that's the way i like to look at it because um you know and and so many people call it coincidence or something like that but there's more to it than that and it shows how how connected we are you know like when people say oh i was just thinking about this person i haven't talked to him in years and all of a sudden i ran into him in the grocery store you know that kind of stuff i love that stuff because um and seeing numbers too like everybody's seeing 11 11 and you know 222 things like that repetitively to me it shows you that you're in the right place at the right time and you're right where you should be so let's talk about a very powerful synchronicity uh, that really uh, affected you, and this has to do with landing your first big book deal. Talk to me about that. Oh my goodness, that is a crazy story. Uh, the first book I wrote um, was Rock and Roll Fantasy, and I put that out on a CD-ROM at uh, Angus's suggestion, actually. That was the only manuscript that they've ever read in advance, and I gave, gave it to them on the Ball Breaker tour. And I said, check this out and, you know, make sure that it's okay and you're not upset with any of it. And uh, he, Angus told me I needed more dirt, but uh, he liked it, and he said, why don't you publish it yourself? So I put it out as a CD-ROM in 2001. And that led to a rejection. I sent it to a local publisher in Wisconsin, and they rejected the book, but they offered me a deal to write famous Wisconsin musicians. And this was a small company called Badger Books in Wisconsin. So I did that, 
And after they saw the reviews of Let There Be Rock in the CD form, CD-ROM form, they said, well, we, we're going to print this. We want to print this and put it out with your other book. And I didn't sign the rights away, but I said, sure, you know, you can print it and we'll go with that. Well, the next year in 2004, I was invited to the Book Expo in Chicago. That's a big a one. That's a big one. <laughs> it well, I didn't realize how big it was, you know, because I'm just this little writer in Wisconsin, and I had heard about the Book Expo, but I I didn't understand the the enormity of it, and and the fact that you know Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton, was a key keynote speaker that year. <laughs> it was it was big and so right at the last minute I called the publicist for Badger Books, Mary Lou, God bless her, and I said, "Could I do a signing for Rock and Roll Fantasy instead?" And she said, "Well, we printed both of them. Doesn't matter to me. Sure, I'll I'll flip it over to that." So that got me into the directory at the Book Expo for Rock and Roll Fantasy, which I didn't realize this at the time. But I go to Chicago I get into the book expo and, you know, here's an unknown writer, no agent, and I'm in front of all these huge publishers. They're everywhere. <laughs> you know, it was like a, a writer's dream of, you know, there's Harper Collins, uh, Simon and Schuster. They're all right in front of me. So I wanted to get a bigger deal for rock and roll fantasy. That's what my intention was. And I went, I just couldn't sit still. I just had to walk around and I you know, had time before my book signing. So I just kept wandering through the aisles and I came around the corner and here was this huge, you know, three booths long, you know, music sales group, omnibus press, books on every musician you've ever, you know, known in your life. And I got like the Dreamweaver thing going on where... <laughs> You know, all of a sudden I stopped and I couldn't hear anybody talking and and I started saying, I was with my ex at the time and I said, oh my gosh, I'm home. This right. is it. That's where you want to land, on the bus press, yeah. right. Exactly. I said, these guys are my publishers. They're, this is it. I'm home. They don't know and, it yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> and this lady walks up to me and of course she asked me like who I was because, you know, kind of like crazy lady, get out of our booth now. And... uh <laughs> And I, I told her really quickly, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm here for, you know. And she says, oh, our managing editor is here with us this weekend. Why don't you wait around and I'll introduce you to her? Ah. And I thought, you know, you, she's got to be kidding me. I get to talk to a managing editor without an agent <laughs> here to, you know, intervene. And uh, I did. I got, I got to meet her. Her name is Andrea Rotondo, and uh, she was a managing editor for Omnibus at the time. And I started, you know, as soon as I talk, you know, said hello to her, I just burst out with, oh, I'm here for rock and roll fantasy, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she gets a little smile on her face and she says, oh, I was going to come find you. And I looked at her like, you know, I said, I, la I actually laughed at her and I said, yeah, right, you were going to come find me. <laughs> and she goes, no, I'm, I'm serious. And she picked up her day planner and handed it to me and pointed at my book signing written in her day planner. Oh, wow. And I, I looked at her and I said, oh, oh my goodness. And then she says, well, you know, we published the music tablature books for ACDC. And I'm, you know, then I'm like, if you think that would be a thrilling thing, I'm thinking, oh no, maybe I published something I didn't have the rights to, you know? Oh, I see. Right, right. 
Yeah, of course. I'm, you know, I'm cynical. I'm walking away thinking, oh, great, major lawsuit coming up next. Oh, that's <laughs> why you, th- you, you thought she wanted to come to see you about some copyright infringement. Exactly. Uh-huh. That's exactly what I thought. And in uh, <laughs> the whole time, my ex is talking to one of the sales guys. I'm, you know, talking to her, and I'm not paying attention to what they're doing. And so we walk away. She says, okay, if I don't make it over to your signing, come back and let's talk at the end of the day. And I said, yes, absolutely. But I w- I'm walking away thinking, oh, great. Oh, my gosh. You know, what, what have I done? And uh, my, my husband keeps looking at me, and he says, well, did she tell you? And I looked at him. I said, yeah, she told me, you know, and I rattled off some of the stuff she said. And he shook his head, and he says, no, did she tell you? And I stopped and I looked at him and I said, what are you trying to say to me? What did she tell, what, what was she supposed to tell me? And then he looked at me and you could tell it just, you know, it was something that it was beyond him when he even said it to me. He says, they're looking for somebody to write a biography of ACDC. Ah, wow. <laughs> and talk about thunderstruck. Right, I, right. Stopped, stopped right in my tracks. I stopped him in front of all these people, and I just yelled at him. I said, wait a minute. I said, say it again and start at the top. And he told me the same thing over, and I excused myself. I went to the basement of wherever we were in Chicago into the women's bathroom, and I ran up and down the length of the room screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> Luckily, no one else was in there. <laughs> But it took nine weeks for the deal to come through. But I knew at that moment that that is why I had known the band for 27 years at that point. Wow, it had been 27 years. Yeah. And so what happened with that deal? I mean, did they also publish, go on to republish your other ACDC works? Or, and which one did you end up publishing with them? Well, I, I wrote um, the story of ACDC, Let There Be Rock, for Omnibus Press. And believe it or not, they did uh, sign a deal you. with Can me. Test, test. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. there we are. Sorry. Uh, just pick that up. I, okay, so I wrote Let There Be Rock. Oh, yes. Uh, for Omnibus Press, I wrote uh, the story of ACDC, Let There Be Rock, which is now in 11 languages. And uh, they did give me a deal to, to publish rock and roll fantasy with their another imprint of their company and after we signed the deal for it they downsized and the the um imprint was shuttered and they never published rock and roll fantasy so that book is is out there still and i'm working with somebody right now on trying to get it made into a movie wow and so uh, and then under omnibus how did let there be rock do with Omnibus Press. They did so well with that book. They really worked hard with me. Um, They usually put out, they told me that they usually give out about 25 review copies for a book. Well, for Let There Be Rock, they, they sent out over 100 copies. And I was on the radio nonstop for weeks after the book came out. And then I promoted it online for up to like, I think, four solid years after that. And it eventually made it into 11 languages. So it did really well. Oh, fantastic. And are you still working with Omnibus? Do you have plans for another book with them? I don't have a plan, plans for a new book with Omnibus, but we are talking about updating Let There Be Rock. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So let's that would talk. Be great. So let's talk about the late. Uh, well, you've you've also updated 
uh, Secrets of the Universe, which came out originally when, 2013? Yes, yes. What yes, was, I just... Uh, yeah, no, what was, sorry, go ahead. What, 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 I mean, I know what's in the book, but I don't know what led to the decision to... I mean, again, you're a rock journalist. You're known as a rock biographer. And then to come out with this book, talking about what some might perceive as kind of the, the, the land of woo, you know, the woo-woo stuff, the, you yeah. know, ghosts and synchronicities. What led to the decision to publish this book? Well, I published The Secrets of the Universe in 2013, self-published, and I did it because I have always been involved in the paranormal world, even as a, a kid. I used to read every book I could get my hands on. I was always very curious, and I put out The Secrets of the Universe actually in between my Hank Williams book and the ACDC FAQ book. So when the deal came through for the FAQ book, I kind of rushed it and put The Secrets out with, without everything I wanted to say. And five years down the road now, I'm living in Savannah, and I've had many more experiences. I've gone to Gettysburg. I've done a lot of really fun things. I thought, well, I'm going to update the secrets and put it out there because everybody loves the paranormal now. And I've been a fan since I was a little kid, even to the point of reading and not being able to shut the light off to go to sleep at night. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as a rock journalist, uh, was there any apprehension on your part or anyone else's part, your colleagues, your friends saying, hmm, do you, do you really want to do this? Are you, are, are, I mean, is there a chance that it might, in some people's eyes, the cynics, the critics, undermine your credibility? Oh, absolutely, yes. I did have people tell me that. <laughs> and uh, I didn't listen to them because um, I, I've been involved. I grew up in the music business, so I have always been in the music business. My parents owned um, ballrooms, hotels, restaurants, and bars. They always had live music, so I grew up with that. But I've also had a huge passion for the paranormal, and I'm not an expert on the paranormal by any means. And that's why I call the secrets of the universe, the, my uh, primer to the paranormal. It's seven subjects, seven of my favorite subjects. And it's kind of something that, you know, I like to put out there and make people curious. You know, I, I've been getting a lot of letters from people that have had so many of the same experiences, but they don't tell people because they are afraid of being ridiculed. And, I'm beyond that now. I guess I'm at that age where I'm like, okay, you know, I've, I've been pretty crazy anyway, so you can go ahead and label me if you want to. <laughs> Isn't that liberating when you arrive at that moment in life when you really just don't give a damn what anyone thinks anymore? That's so liberating. Oh, yes, and that has definitely happened to me. The last couple of years of my life, I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care what anybody thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show, why not consider becoming a supporter? Go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. That's right. We've changed the name of our Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. And check out our three support tiers. The Truth Seeker tier, the Whistleblower tier, and the Star Chamber tier. Donors can receive access to an exclusive monthly Google Hangout on air or a monthly live chat with me. You can also be eligible for a monthly draw and a chance to win Conspiracy Show and Conspiracy Unlimited merch. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Your support is greatly appreciated. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Rock journalist Susan Messino is here discussing the past life memories of her young son. Let's talk about one of the subjects in the book. One of the subjects is very close to you, and that is past lives. Tell me about your son. Yes, my son, James. He is now 25 years old, and when he was a little boy, he was four years old at the time, he was uh, left at home with a babysitter one night when the Titanic, the movie, was on HBO. And we came home later that night and found out that he had woken up and she let him come out and watch the rest of the movie with her. (laughs) And of course, at the time, I was not very happy about that because that's not the movie I would sit a four-year-old down to see. No, there's some pretty intense moments, uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah, especially the sinking of the ship. So the next day... My son gets up, and he always, he, he was an artist from day one. He had a, an extensive art table. He had every, you know, color, crayon, and pencil you could imagine, and he loved to draw. And the, the very next day, he started drawing pictures of the Titanic, and he was obsessed, not with the movie, not with the characters in the movie, but the ship and how it was built and what mistakes were made. And this went on for two years, between the ages of four and six. He had night terrors where he would wake up uh, in about an hour into his sleep. You could hear him. He'd hit the floor. He'd come running out of his bedroom, and he'd go. He'd run through the house like he was trying to escape. He'd, He'd open doors. You know, you'd have to make sure he didn't go down the stairs, things like that. And um, he was completely obsessed with the Titanic, and he knew everything about that ship, how it was built, what was wrong with it. And uh, one day when, you know, and, and I, I believed in past lives before this. So I was, I was fascinated, but I was very worried for him. Now, had, had you taken him to the library to take out books? I mean, this is in the days before the internet was really popular. So mm-hmm. I don't know, if, I mean, is it possible he could have checked up online about it or did he sign out books from the library? Oh, no, no. He was only four. And every, every drawing that he drew 
was made from memory. He was never looking at a picture of the ship when he was drawing it. And he drew, he wanted this, I should send this to you because he did a pencil drawing of looking at the ship and if you cut it uh, lengthwise in half. Like a cross section. Yes, he, he, he drew every level, every room, every window, every coat hanger, every light fixture. It was, I mean, it was astounding. It was absolutely astounding. And one day he came home with a a picture picture of the ship with smoke coming out of three out of the four smokestacks. And I looked at him and I said, honey, I said, did you not finish this picture? You know, why isn't there any smoke coming out of this smokestack here? He looked at me like I was, you know, a complete idiot. And he says, that was a dummy stack, mama. They didn't use it. It was just for show. Wow. And I said, what? I'm sorry. He goes, it was, it was a dummy stack, mama. It wasn't used. It was, it was, they, they liked the look of it. And I said, okay. And then of course, a few years down the road, uh, more documentaries come out. That was true. One of the smokestacks was a dummy stack. It sounds like he was the, the guy that built the ship. That's, that's what we think. I'm not positive, but I am pretty sure he did design and build the ship. He knew things about that ship that it was impossible to know. And what what really the the turning point was they finally came out with a CD-ROM, sorry, a CD-ROM game of the ship where you put it in your computer and uh, somebody gives you, it's a mystery game, and you have to find things in the ship to try to stop it from sinking. That's the whole point of the game. And it was too hard for me. I, I couldn't maneuver very well in the game at all. So my daughter, who is a forensic psychologist <laughs> and was completely a skeptic, she did not believe that this was a past life at all. She just thought he was obsessed with the ship for some reason. Well, she came home on holiday, and I had her play the game with him. And about 20 minutes into it, she came running up to me, grabbed me, and pulled me into another room, and she says, he knows his way around that ship. <laughs> wow. And I said, tell me about it. And he, he would order her, and I could listen. He always said starboard and port. He never said right and left. It was always starboard and port. Right. And he ordered her, like, if you go down that stair, if you go up that staircase, that's going to take you over to the bridge, and you know you're on the wrong side of the ship. You need to go on this staircase, and that's what blew my daughter away. She was like, "There's no way that he, how would he know how to get around this ship?" So this went on up until 2000, two full years of this. And they finally brought the Titanic exhibit to Chicago. And my daughter called me and she says, I think we should take him. I really do. I think he was six at the time. And it, this had been going on for two years. <clears throat> and he, sorry, I'm <clears throat> sorry about that, Richard. Um, it's all right. It's dry. I, it's dry out. Yeah, it, it is down here too, definitely. So we took t- uh, Jamie to the Titanic exhibit in Chicago in the year 2000. And it was at the Museum of Science and Industry. And, of course, um, he didn't act like any other kid in the exhibit because all the other kids were running around and having fun and really didn't care they were there. My six-year-old is studying everything like a scientist. He's looking at every exhibit, everything that they had there. 
he spent several minutes on everything. And then all of a sudden, we come across the boiler. from They brought one up from the bottom of the ocean. It's an actual boiler from the Titanic. And uh, that was what he used to be very, very upset about, was that when the ship hit the iceberg, the emergency doors closed and trapped the men in the boiler room. And they died first. And he used to sob about that. He used to just wail, Mama, it shouldn't have happened. They died first. That wasn't fair. It shouldn't have happened. It was wrong. And, he, and so when we saw the boiler at the exhibit, I thought, oh, boy, here we go. And, uh, and he was pretty much unfazed by it. He just kind of, you know, looked at it, was interested in it. Well, I looked at it, and on the right, there's a wall of mirrors. And on the left, there was a wall of mirrors, and there was a curtain and a spotlight on it. And when I looked to the left, I saw a life-size oil painting of a man shoveling coal into the boiler. And I thought to myself, I thought, wow, they really went out for this. You know, this is really something that they did that because, you know, you don't think about the men that died and, you know, how, what a horrible job that was. And, you know, they had the, the woolen pants and the, the high neck shirts and, you know, the man was wearing suspenders and he had a cap on and, uh, and I just thought, wow, you know, that, what a, what a horrible job. And then, you know, what a horrible death. Right. And we get closer and I look up at this oil painting and the man in the picture turns and looks at me like I scared him. What? And yeah, he looked at me, his head swiveled really fast and looked at me and my daughter because we were standing next to each other. He looked at us like, um, whoa, like, who are you? And I looked at him like, oh, no, paintings don't move. And I closed my eyes for a second. And I opened my eyes, and I'm staring at myself in a mirror, and there's no man, and there's no painting. Oh, man. Oh, Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, at Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible, because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I gotta ask you, because the the uh, the fellow that designed the Titanic, Thomas Andrews, does did your son know anything about him? Well, we didn't really know anything about him until we started to look into his life and uh what he was like, and even the picture. There's a picture of um, Thomas Andrews that looks very much like my son. Um, they're very, uh, they have a lot of similarities. And um, he was very meticulous. He designed all the White Star Line ships, and then his habit was to uh, take the maiden voyage every time when the ship was launched. 
He was on the Titanic. He was offered a seat on a lifeboat. He had a wife and a daughter at home, and he refused to get on the lifeboat. He felt so responsible for the accident that he willingly died for it. And that would have been my son, for sure. Right, right. And 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 for how long did your son retain these memories of the Titanic? Did it all just sort of leave him one day? Yes, it did. He had those for two solid years. I mean, really, we really thought, will this ever end? And about a week or two after we went to the exhibit, he had a horrible nightmare. I call it the death dream. Um, one night he was in bed. I don't mean to laugh because it wasn't funny, but it was just so, you know, we were hoping that there would be a breakthrough. And a couple of weeks later, I was in the other room, home alone with my son. He was sleeping. All of a sudden I hear a banging in his bedroom, a rhythmic, something's hitting the wall over and over and over again. And I jumped up, I ran down, I opened his door and my son is up on all fours. He's staring at the floor, and he's, he's shaking so violently that the bed is hitting the wall. And he's, you know, he looked, to me, I thought he was going to go into convulsions. That's how hard he was shaking. And before I could even walk across the room, this man's voice came out of my son and screamed. It was the worst terror I have ever heard in my life. He screamed, she's going down. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I burst into tears. I realized he's experiencing the sinking of the ship. And all I could do is I went over. I sat down next to him. He had no, he had, he was not aware of me there at all. And after he screamed, he kept staring at the floor and shaking. And I just sat there with him. I was rubbing his back. And finally, he settled down and he laid down and he fell asleep. And the next day when he was awake, I actually said to him, I said, honey, you had such a scary nightmare last night. You really scared mama. I said, you were shaking horribly and I, I almost called an ambulance. And he looked at me again like, you know, God, she doesn't, you know, she just doesn't get it. And he looked at me very nonchalantly. He says, you know, the water was freezing mama. Oh, wow. <laughs> And I said, uh, yeah, that's, that's right, honey. The water was freezing. He goes, yeah. And he just walked away. And about, you know, a week, he, he said something about the Titanic. Maybe two weeks, he'd talk about it. And pretty soon, he just stopped talking about it. And it was over. Hmm. What happens, do you suppose? It's very reminiscent of the James Leininger case in Seattle. This young boy uh, who... who, who knew everything there was to know about this particular fighter pilot that went down in the Pacific Theater. He knew the name of the aircraft carrier. He knew the name of the plane. He knew all about the plane. He knew all about this man's family. Uh, and mm -hmm. one day, I think they actually even took him to the spot where the pilot went down so that he could lay a wreath or something. And then after that, no more. What happens? Yeah, he was fine. Yeah, I think what happens, especially when it's a violent death like that, that we all retain those memories when we're born, and most kids exhibit this around the age of three. But what happens, and what, what I love about, you know, 
his parents in particular, too, was they let him express himself by even, you know, going all the way to Japan to lay a wreath in the ocean where his plane went down, and then it gave him closure. And I think the same thing happened with my son, Jamie, after two years of all these memories that were, you know, coming out, you know, without his control, you know, beyond his control. And I wanted him to express them all. I didn't want him to hold it in for the rest of his life. And I really think that going to the exhibit, again, was another way for him to have a closure of like, you know, um, we're, we're being honored now after all these years, uh, after such a terrible tragedy. But um, he definitely had an attitude toward the people that were his bosses at the time. <laughs> Tell me about some of the laws of, of the universe that you researched and included in the book. Oh, there are so many different um, universal laws. And if you go online, there are different lists. There's like 10, there's 11, there's 33. And I picked um, some of my favorites that can be really correlated into, you know, uh, regular life, if you will. And uh, I put those in there because um, I think that everybody should learn universal laws because they are God laws, if you will, not man-made laws. And everything in the universe, um, cycles, synchronicity, uh, everything is connected to universal law. And uh, like the law of attraction, you know, that got very famous with the movie and the book, The Secret. The law of attraction is you attract what you put out. And um, that's a, a very simple law, yet people don't really take it seriously enough to know how to use it. Because um, the law of attraction uh when people talk, you know, when you speak, you're putting words out into the universe, which is a vibration, and that manifests into material, um, the material world. So what I'm working on every day, I, like I said, I'm not an expert in any of this, but I love it all, is I am becoming more mindful of what I say and what I think and what I say to other people because you'd be surprised how it comes back to you. Uh, most people don't realize that, but everything does come back. And uh, that one, um, numerology, you know, that has a big part of the universe, uh, the laws of uh, um, numbers and how they correlate to everything, you know, and going all, all the way to the uh, Akashic records, which some people call the mind of God or the right. library. What are your numbers, by the way, Susan? Oh, <laughs> well, my numbers are, um, my path of destiny is uh, with my, see, it changes if you get married or you change your name. Um, with my uh, given name, my path of destiny is a 33-6, which is the Christ consciousness number, um, which uh, John Lennon had that number. Um, you can choose and you can choose to live it as a 33, which is a, um, a master number, and it's a very uh, strong vibration, or you can choose to live it as a six, which is more of a somebody that's more of a homebody. And I'm kind of both. You know, I love to be at home. I, I'm all about my family and my friends, but then I do love to teach, and I love to get out there and make people curious. 
so, but with my, the um, funny, the path of destiny number changes with the name Messino, and my path of destiny number with the name Messino is a 13-4, which is the death card. Oh, which dear. a lot of people think, ooh, that's horrible, but not really, because um, the 13 is the death number, the death card, and death is transformation. So with my name, uh, and it, you know, it has proven to be true, every time I get into doing one thing, it always uh, changes to something else. So I started out being a rock journalist, I ended up being a radio host, then I'm an author, now I'm a paranormal investigator. (laughs) So every time I get very comfortable in what I'm doing, things flip and I do something different. The Secrets of the Universe, Universal Laws, Past Lives, Ghost Adventures, and more, and this is the second edition. And how do people get a hold of the book, Susan? The Secrets of the Universe is at Amazon.com on sale right now. Uh, you can also go to SusanMessino.com, and you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Susan, always a delight. Thanks so much for this. Oh, thank you, Richard. Anytime. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to fill you in on what's coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, this is Tony Merkel, host of The Confessionals, a blog talk radio podcast that brings you weekly interviews with eyewitness accounts of strange and unexplained events. From paranormal activity to UFO encounters to Bigfoot sightings, step into The Confessionals as we explore mysterious real-life stories. Check us out on your favorite podcast app or theconfessionalspodcast.com. Many thanks to Conspiracy Unlimited for having me on the air. I'll see you all on The Confessionals. Coming up next time, the co-founder of Paranormal Research York explains why his town is one of the most haunted cities in all of Europe. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.